Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. It says, the water flows east and descends into the Arabah and then into the sea. The sea of stagnant waters. That's the doldrums where nothing's happening, where you're stuck. The sea of stagnant. Many of us have been stuck for a long time. We know what God has said, but we're not moving towards it. We're in a place of sort of like waiting and waiting. I always say never waste a good waiting time. Make sure you fix what can be fixed. Get ready. Pack away what can be packed away. Mend the sails because the storm is coming and you better be ready for it. The abundance is coming and you better be ready for it. The sea of st- when it empties into those waters, the sea will become fresh. And wherever the r- river flows, life will flourish. Great schools of fish. So life must flourish from Monday to Saturday because of what happens on Sunday. Church is not about the two hours on a Sunday. Church is about the whole change every single day of your life. And that is what I'm praying for my own life and for every single one year that we can be on a constant process of affecting and changing our economy and our society and everyone will experience blessing. If you listen politically and economically, South Africa is in a lot of trouble. Gauteng is in a lot of trouble. But God is saying something different. God is saying something else. That when we allow the presence of God to come into the temple, when the church comes to that place where we humble ourselves and we say, God, I'm pushing in, not for the change in the economy. I'm pushing in for the change at the altar. The economy is the result. The life is the result. The fish comes because of the water that flows. You can't chase after the fish if you haven't chased after the water because it's going to die. You understand what I'm saying? God says, first, get right what's happening in the temple so that there's something that flows. And I see the Christian starts claiming this big business and this and that, and there's no water. So it's like you wanting to have a fish farm, but you don't planning on any dams. Okay? It's not going to work. If you want to farm with fish, the first thing you do is build a dam. You don't go buy 10,000 fish and put them on the lawn and say, okay, well, wait there. One day we're going to build a dam. (laughs) Does that make sense? So the focus has to be what happens in the temple, what happens on the altar. It happens in your inner room with between you and God alone. And then the other things will come. Otherwise, the blessing will come. And you will have no way to contain it. You will have no way to contain it. Great schools of fish. Because the river is turning the salt sea into fresh water. Wherever the river flows, life abounds. Fishermen will stand shoulder to shoulder along the shore from Engedi all the way north to England. Casting their nets. So fishermen talks about trading and economy and things like that. Casting nets means abundance. It's not one fish at a time like me and Mike likes to catch them. It is nets full. 
It's abundance. But you have to start by understanding that where the water flows. Church, we have to take our focus on the things of God and put our focus on God. The others will come automatically. The sea will teem with fish of all kinds. That talks to me about the Joburg society that is a multicultural society. It's all different. Each one of us looks different like we sit here. But when we get to the altar and we're praying before God, then we all become one. But God is saying to Frontline that we will always be a multicultural society. We will always be more than any one thing. And I love it. I absolutely love it. The only way we can have an answer to society is if we are multicultural. We cannot have a single cultural answer to a multicultural society. So we can't become my Buddha Afrikaans way, nor we can become somebody else's Zulu way or whatever, because it's not relevant in this Joburg. We have to say all-inclusive. I don't know how many cultures are represented here, but it's even going to become more. It's even going to become more. God is going to always make Frontline be a place of the sea will teem with fish of all kinds. Like the fish of the great Mediterranean. God is saying something's going to flow. So if we take time with the worship, somebody said to me the other day, but it's a pity the worship went so long you never got a chance to preach. I said it's the most important thing is that which happens at the altar. It's not about anything else but about God. If we can somehow have somebody have an encounter with God, somehow let somebody stand and sing majesty. Let your wind blow. Let your water flow. We sing one of those songs and it stirs deep in your heart and it reverbs through your whole week. Whenever you open your eyes, that song is in your heart. Whenever you go to bed, that song is in your heart. If you drive in your car, that song is playing on the radio. Because something is happening between you and God. Then we're going to see the changes. And then listen to this. Verse 11 says, the swamps and marshes won't become fresh. They'll stay salty. It says that some places it won't get healed. Those who don't choose to let the river flow, because the swamp talks about not flowing, talks about stagnant, talks about there is nothing flowing. God says, I want to get in and I want to flow through and change you. My heart's cry this morning is, and I'm hoping you're going to join me, is say, God, change me. Lord God, change me. Do what you need to do to let me move from stagnant to flowing. To let me move from doldrums to storm. But the river itself on both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds. If I think of this property, there's fruit trees of all kinds. I give up on how many fruit trees kinds there is here. Who knows who lives here? How many is there? Five, six? More than six different kinds of fruit trees go on here. But the river itself on both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds, and their leaves won't wither and their fruit won't fail. Every month they bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Food and healing. 
supply and health, supply and wholeness. God is saying that what's happening here at the moment on this cement floor under this broken roof is something that is going to bring supply and health. Some of the translation says that many birds made their nests in these trees. It talks about housing. It talks about care. It talks about safety. But it all comes from where? From what happens at the altar. In verse 6, if we go back up to the top, he said, Son of man, have you had a good look? Church of God, the question is, are we seeing what God is saying? Are we seeing just a few people here under the aftak? Or are you seeing a society that's changed because God has stepped in and changed us in this place? If this is not a place of change, it's not a place of worship. Because in worship, every time that you enter into the presence of God, he tugs at your heart sleeves and says, hey, that thing on us, I'm not okay with that. That thing must change. If you have an encounter with God, there will always be change. We can stand here and talk in tongues and jump up and down and shout hallelujah. But if you don't open your heart and say, God, change me. Let me jump in the river, Father God, not just ankle deep, not just knee deep, not just mid deep. But it would be over my head all that you come with me. I'm tired of Christians that say, well, I'm going to tip my toe into church. And the rest of the week, I'm just going to do what I want. It's all or nothing one of God. That's the kind of God I have. It's sort of like just, okay, jump in with all you have and let it flow because ankle deep water is not enough to change a society. Ankle deep water will not change a generation. A lot of people think they can just watch church from home and have a good time on their couch. And I'm not against the online. I love the online. But ultimately, you have to get into a church. In the long term, for the sake of the generations that follow you, you need to get into a church. Society must change because of our engagement at the altar. So the first thing I see in this story is regeneration. God is going to make everything new. What he said in Ezekiel 39 it's coming. Yes, it is happening. The day I've told you about. And it talks about everything being regenerated. The second thing that happens at the altar, life comes in. So many people have lost hope. So many people have become distraught because of challenges that have come against them again and again and again. God gives life. God gives freshness. God gives healing at the altar. Then we see that trade will come, food will come, housing will come, provision and health will come all from that place of engagement at the altar, all from that place of getting wholeness. So we are like sailing ships in the doldrums, no wind, no hope, and no direction. A sailing ship can only steer if it's moving. You know... 
you can turn the steering wheel of a boat as much as you want to while it's drifting. But if there's not a difference of movement between the water and the boat, if the boat is just moving at the same speed of the water, turning the steering wheel means zero. It has no effect. And you can only get direction when you're under the wind, when you're under sail, when you are moving. Is there any sailors here that can tell me, yes, I felt a boat lose steering because it loses direction. I've often had that feeling when you come close to a jetty, you slow down. And then you just want to go in. And then when you stop having power, you stop having steering. And you try and let the boat drift in correctly, and it drifts wrong. And you see people madly turning at the steering wheel, but it has no effect because the boat's not under power. And some of us have lost direction because we've lost our power of what God has got for us. So now steps on how do we move from here. How do we move to a place of wholeness in this thing? So get to the altar and ask what must change. So every Sunday morning when you walk in here, you have to come with a cry, God change me. You don't come here with a cry, God bless me. You come here with a cry, God change me. The blessing will flow automatically. The blessing will come as you focus on the change. So the first thing you come to the altar. If you have to kneel, kneel. If you have to get your suit dirty, get it dirty. Because God says, I want to interact with you. I want to have a moment with you where I can lay my hand on the saw, where I can lay my hand on that which is out of alignment, where I can lay my hand on the very thing that will set your whole life into change. We all know the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel the whole night long until God, through the angel, touched his hip in such a way he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And if you want to see people that's going to go somewhere for God in their life, it's people that's walked with a limp. People that have come, God, ah, this is my way. I wanted this way. God says, no, I wanted that way. And you argue and you fight and you saying, but God, it's so difficult to get there. And God just gently pushes and puts his hand on that hip and holds tighter and tighter until you have no choice but to change. Amen. And I realized I could have changed five, ten years ago. And I would have saved myself a lot of hassle. Yes. Eh? Anybody yes. can feel it? But it's time that we say like Jacob did. I will not let you go until you bless me. Amen. But what he realized is that in that blessing is a change. He realized that if he wants God to bless him, something's got to shift. Something has can't stay the same. But I see people say, okay, God, this is me. Don't change me, but bless me. Don't, don't you interfere in my square, God, but solve all my problems out there. You're the God of the out there. You're not the God of the in here. Am I right in saying that? Or God wants to touch you before he touches anything else around you. So go to the altar and ask, what must change as an act of worship? When you say majesty... You are saying he is the king. 
You're saying, you have the right to change me. Because if I step into your kingdom and I recognize you as king, then I recognize the rules of the kingdom. So when you stand and you sing majesty, what you are declaring is his rulership in your life. So you cannot come into singing that and think you're going to walk out of there unchanged. Otherwise, it's just lip service. At that very altar, ask for a prophetic vision and direction. At that quiet moment, during the service, at your home time, when you're reading your Bible, so God highlights something that will give me direction. Highlight something that will tell me where I must go. And the problem is, we don't read our Bible because we think it's boring. And then we say, but God, you're not speaking. God, I don't have direction. I don't know what to do. Well, I gave you a whole big, thick manual. I gave it to you. I have found that whenever I sit down with my Bible and say, God, I don't know what to do. The most amazing stuff comes out the Bible. And I said, excuse me, I've read this a hundred times, God. Why did I never see that? He says, because I had that encounter made up for today. Today I wanted to reveal that to you. So get to the altar and ask for a prophetic vision and direction. And hold on to that word in all circumstances. You have to have a written down word that you know what God has spoken to you about. Home sales, I want to encourage you to ask people, what is the one word that stands above all circumstances in the life of the members of your home cell? Because as home cell leaders, you must pray with them. And stand with them in that process. Number three, appropriate the favor God has for you. Understand that God has promised you blessing. Once you've been at the altar, once you've received direction, once you've said, God, change me. Then you start believing that God has favor for you. God has a plan for you. God wants to intervene in your situation. God wants to get you through the storm. God wants to get you going. So appropriate the favor God has for you. Number four is sow. Sow into your own vision. Say, God, this seed I'm sowing is about that promise you made to me. Because you'll see all through the Bible, every time they had an encounter with God, they immediately came with an offering for God. Because they understood that when you have a word from God, you have to invest in that one. Okay? Sometimes you sow in faith and sometimes you sow in obedience. We're in a, in a bit of a tight spot financially at the moment, so we can't sow money. So I said to Daniel, come fetch a TV at my house. Come put up a second TV here. Why? Because I need to sow something even in the hard times. I need to sow something even when I don't have money. I have a friend that when he started out business, young people, uh, poor, under pressure, young children that are hungry situation, 
And they're at a service and God challenges them to give something. And he says, God, I have no money at the moment. There's no money in my account. And he looks around. Most of his furniture in his house isn't worth much and it's nothing. But there was one couch that he inherited from his family. It was a family heirloom. God says, okay, sell that couch and sow that money into it. And it was a missionary that had to get to, I think, Uganda or one of those places. He sold the couch and paid for the missionary's bus trip to get to Uganda. Specific sowing into a specific need. Today, he's got businesses all over Africa. So well off. And he knows it all originated from that one sowing in obedience. And you never know which of your seeds is that one seed that's going to shift everything. Lord, I pray that this TV is a shifting seed. <laughs> um, often we look at saying, I can't give money now. I'm telling you, you can give a jacket, you can give a tie, you can give a pair of shoes. You can do something. Because it's not about the amount you give or the it's about obedience and being in operating in a price of sowing. Number five, and this is quite a revelation for me. Ask for wisdom and do all you can to acquire wisdom. Favor will give you wealth. Wisdom will let you keep it. If you only focus on favor you are going to be in trouble. God will bring things across your path and you'll lose it like this if you don't have wisdom. And I'm preaching to myself. I said, God, increase my wisdom. Not only increase my favor. Let the two grow together. Study if you have to. Get a financial qualification. Get something because it doesn't matter what business you're in. You can be a plumber or a musician, but you've got to understand finances to be able to contain what God's going to pour out upon you. There's short courses and there's degree courses, but make sure you qualify yourself in the area of finances. If you think you're called to run finances for God, because it doesn't matter what job you do, you still have to know how does bonds work, how does a house market work, how does car finance work? How does investments work? Otherwise, God's going to bless you and you are going to waste the money. Amen. Ask for wisdom. But wisdom you don't get. It's like I can't pray for you for wisdom. Wisdom you get by studying and by asking and by impartation, by sitting with people that have done well in their finances, that have got systems going. Don't sit by on every second a YouTuber that thinks they know about finances and they are messing it up in their own life. But get wisdom. Number six, live a life of generosity. Amen. Not just sowing into the church and things, but a life of generosity and generosity will break the curse that have come against you. Each one of us has in some way or other brought some form of curse through our ancestral life 
parents have made mistakes. Things have gone wrong. We've made mistakes. And those things build up. And you have to consistently break the curse that is coming against you. I have recognized a new thing that's operating in our family. And I'm stepping up and I'm going to deal with it. Because I'm not going to operate in a place of curse. But the first place where I stand to break that thing that Satan has a hold over you is a life of generosity. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says this. However it is written, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared something for you and me and everyone else. God has prepared something for you. You've just got to push in for it. You've just got to make sure that you're in the right place to receive it. You've got to say, God, whatever it takes, make me ready to take what you have promised. I might have drifted away. I might have experienced all kinds of things. But I understand that you made a promise to me. And I'm going to see it. I want to say to everybody who's had delayed dreams and visions and prophecies. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. We said just now in the beginning. It's coming. Ezekiel 39 and verse 8. It will happen. This is the day I've been telling you about. This is the day I've been telling you about. We've seen destruction. We've seen heaviness. We've seen things that are just not right. But there's a fresh wind blowing. There's something new changing. We are coming out of Satan's hold upon us. And we're stepping into a new thing. Frontline. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.